cliffcentral.com. It is time for another episode of The Burning Platform. This is one of the few places in South Africa and in the world where you get to hear the open-minded, thoughtful opinions of people who are most concerned with our day-to-day issues, with the, the, the big deals, the, the, the issues of politics and the economy and society at large. And we try to find people who have really insightful opinions. And today we have absolutely got those people with us. Of course, my co-host for The Burning Platform is Pumi Mashiko, who is well known to everybody. Uh, Pumi and I are happy to welcome today, first of all, Bonam <laughs> Mohale. How are you, Bonam? It's very nice to see you. How have you been? My brother, I've been surviving the COVID. <laughs> Good. That's the only thing that genuinely matters. And thank you for having me. Well, uh, congratulations on your book, which Pumi and I both have a copy of. Show, show Bonang that you've also been paying attention here, Pums. Uh, it is called Behold the Turtle, Thoughts on Ethically Principled Leadership. And really, Bonang, we've been, we've been listening to you for a long, long time. I just want to remind people of your incredible credentials because you were Chancellor of the University of the Free State. You've been a professor of practice at the Johannesburg Business School. Um, you've been chairman of both Bidvest Group Limited and SBV Services. You've been the president for the longest time of Business Unity South Africa, and they benefited from that enormously. Former CEO of Business Leadership South Africa, and also the past president of the Black Management Forum. So your extraordinary expertise here in academia and in business comes to bear in this terrific book. And um, I love the, the way you named the book is Behold the Turtle. Because, of course, the point is that the turtle only makes progress when his neck is stuck out. You can't hide in your shell, right? Absolutely correct, uh, Gareth, my dear brother. And unfortunately, all those introductions are still correct. Mm. You know, the folly of youth is that I am still the Chancellor of the University of the Free State, and I still chair the two boards, uh, the Bidvest Group Limited, and indeed SBV services. And I also pretend to be an academic where I am a full professor of practice in the faculty of business and economics at the Johannesburg Business School. I think it keeps me out of mischief, my dear brother. So this is my second book, which took me about two years to write. I think the pandemic and the lockdown was quite helpful. Today is day number six, 112. Mm -hmm. Therefore, what do you do except try and make yourself uh, useful? Lastly, I think the first book, um, Lifters Your Eyes, probably took me about eight years. I've been truly blessed because it was launched on Wednesday, the 21st of November 2018. That evening, it made it onto the top three after Michelle Obama's Mm -hmm. and J.M. Kutsia's one. That Saturday, it was on the number one list. And in three years, it has never come off the top 10 bestseller list. Thanks to you and your colleagues for buying the book and continuing to buy the book. Well, congratulations. I mean, that's that's a really, listen, publishing has never been easy, but uh, now more than ever, you know, people actually going out and buying books is a huge achievement. So, again, another accolade to to add to your list of them. Um, I'm going to allow Pumi to ask some questions in a minute, but I want to introduce our other guest for this morning and someone who's no stranger to the burning platform. He is Pumlani Majazi. He is a senior fellow at African Liberty, Africa's premier platform for advancing economic freedom and individual liberty. He's also a commentator on politics, economics, and global affairs. And Pumlani, it's always good to see you. How are you doing? It's great to be here. It's great to see you all. I'm doing well. And it's great to see uh, Mr. Mohale. I'm a big fan, uh, Mr. Mohale. <laughs> Nice. So it's great to see you. Um, nice. Yeah, you are, doing, you are doing amazing work. I, I don't need to tell you guys, but it's uh, it's always good on this show to have people who can respect each other, even when they disagree. And Pumi and I are big, <laughs> big fans. Right, Pumi? We're big fans of disagreement. Big fans of disagreement. <laughs> so, but, but can I start by agreeing with somebody? Like, you know, my main man, Graham, there in the comments every mm-hmm. week, he's in the comments making like snide comments about my blue wall. Yeah. And I do want to say, Graham, straight off the bat, out of the starting blocks today, the DA has impressed me. Oh, wow. This week. Okay. Impressed me this week by fielding women for their top spots. 
They feel yeah. that a woman for Eteguini. They feel that a woman for Johannesburg. Right. I, look, I'm just like the DA. Y'all, y'all could still be in the line for saving. So, Graham, there you go. No, no, that's absolutely right. And, you know, Pums, they're going to be people who disagree with you and I every week as well. And that's why we, uh, we like this. We, we, we thrive on disagreement. So let's get into it because you brought up the local municipal elections. Um, and there's much to cover here. So first of all, Bonang, do you think that we've, we've hit a bit of a watershed here? People are talking about how this is a new chapter in South Africa. That because we're so focused on politics, and especially in this country, the politics of personality, this is not a new subject for you, and, and you discuss some of it in your books. But the, 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 the change is that we're now really entering a realm of multi-party democracy, of coalitions, of people having to come to the party. I mean, I've heard like staunch right-of-center party supporters saying, you know what, the most sensible thing that's been said in this election is Julius Malema's comment that now we've got to put aside our differences and run these municipalities properly. He said that the other day, and he's received widespread support for it, though Julius doesn't always say smart things, and a lot of what he says is incendiary. There seem to be a lot of people who've been impressed by that. The electorate has given a mixed message to these politicians, and now we expect them to... Do the difficult stuff, the heavy lifting, the municipal services, housing, water, electricity, the practical stuff that South Africans need in order for us to get ahead. What are your thoughts a couple of weeks now after the election and watching these politicians for many years? So first I'm reminded by the words of Mikhail Gorbachev, Mm. who opined, this is the guy who gave us Perestroika and Glasnost. Yes. Um, their own version of renewal when he said we knew that the party was over when all we could do is talk about history hmm. this local government election was the ANC's to lose history is going to judge them very harshly to say they have been gifted a two-thirds majority by the grandfather of our democracy Nelson Mandela Mm-hmm. On the 27th of April, 1994, former President Thabo Mbeki increased this margin to 72%. Mm-hmm. We could have changed the constitution if we wanted to in the first instance, but we chose not to because we wanted to really embed a reconciliation. Right. The 2016 local government election, then the ANC gets reduced to a measly 52%. Now, in 2021, they are 46% never to recover again at local government election. I think they need more than introspection. They now need to execute on the promise of three and a half years ago of renewal, of growth, and forget about unity of the party. Because how do you reconcile thieves on the one hand people whose job it is to aid and abet state capture, and mm. those that have chosen to be on the side of angels. It's an impossible task. Thanks, Gareth. Uh, what, what are your feelings on this, Pumlani? I mean, we haven't spoken to you since uh, long before the elections. Um, were you hopeful that there would be more change, or are you quite satisfied with what you've seen? Was it predictable to you? Um, well... <clears throat> I'm quite happy with with what I have seen. Um, I am one of those people who have repeatedly argued argued that we need to see the decline of the ANC, um, that our democracy will only mature and grow and become stronger if the Liberation Party continues to lose power or to weaken. Because we have seen um, how dangerous and destructive its dominance can be. For example, the state capture, right? Because of how the ANC uh, undermined uh, the electorate, undermined the people of of South Africa, we saw that arrogance and disrespect uh, just because it had, it saw itself, you know, as this big giant, you know, that cannot be defeated. Uh, So I've always been, you know, uh, arguing that we need to see the decline of the ANC and a stronger uh, opposition. Uh, it could come in, in forms of different parties, but so long as we have, you know, um, a strong opposition, and we saw with this with, with, with these local government elections, 
um, the opposition getting a bit stronger, you know, weakening the ANC. Though, of course, some people will say that the, that the turnout was very bad. Yes, the turnout was very bad, and that is very concerning to me, that people are rather choosing to pull back and stay at home instead of going of going to vote. Uh, but still, though, with that, I think it was 47% turnout that we had, mm. at least we saw the ANC getting weaker. And to me, I think that is good, um, so that we see uh, opposition parties going out there, making the case. And many of them, by the way, Gareth, they tend to be kind of centre-right, right, you see. Mm. Um, and to me, I feel good about that, because I think we need that. Was much of the dominance um, uh, has been largely from kind of left uh, left center, like the NC, EFF, and mm. so on. But if you can see this right right center parties growing, becoming stronger, at least that will put our debate our debate um, at a better level than where we have been. So I'm I'm quite happy. Though of course right. I could I would be more happy if we saw more significant decline. I mean more loss of uh, of, of support. But where we are, I think we are on the right direction in my uh, view. So, uh, Pums, I know you've got a bunch of questions, but I want to talk specifics here because we have various metros. The most important thing in these local elections is the metropolitan areas. I mean, Johannesburg is, a, is the engine of our economy. Uh, you, the, the, you can talk about Cape Town, but Cape Town's pretty much a, a fait accompli, and it's not going to go any, in any other direction. Uh, so I don't really want to spend too much time talking about Cape Town. But let's just talk about these changes and the fact that the smaller parties all said anybody but the ANC. You know, it's kind of like what happened to Tabo Mbeki at Polokwane, where people all, whether it was Kasatu, whether it was the Youth League, whether it was the Women's League, whether it was ordinary grassroots branch support, they said anyone but Tabo Mbeki at that stage. It's not exactly a good metaphor, but all these parties came together and they said in Ekuruleni, in Etekwini, in Tswane, and in Johannesburg, and in many other places like Mohale City as well, they've said anyone but the ANC. And now we have a couple of surprises here. Um, the EFF and the DA and, and Action SA, Herman Mashaba, throwing their, their towel in, into the same kind of alliance, even though it's a very fractious alliance. We can only hope that it lasts. But the, the cost for all of these guys, if they don't do this, is to, to give the ANC power back. They've got to make it work. Right, Bonang? So, Gareth, for me... I think we really need to learn from history because the people that don't learn from history are condemned to repeat uh, its mistakes. I think it was Mujibo Keita who reminds us when the citizens of a nation deem their most accomplished thieves as the most electable, then they lose the right to complain when theft, when theft becomes the national creed. Mm. So when you look at the numbers, Actually, the numbers are much more frightening because if you look at people eligible to vote, that's 38.6 million. The people that bothered to vote, to vote, to register, let's say 26 million. Of those, say 12 million voted. Mm. Therefore, 70% of eligible voters decided not to register or vote. Mm. That's 70%, only 30% actually voted. So the message says, at local government election, the days of the big parties are gone, because at local government elections, it's about sewage and gov and, 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 and water and, and, and making sure that uh, there's electricity, that my garbage gets, gets collected. Um, it's about service delivery. They don't care what party you belong to. It's about mowing the lawn. Um, on the pavements. It's about ensuring that the citizens are safe. Mm. Therefore, when we continue to celebrate as big parties, I think we miss a wonderful opportunity to say, this is where the rubber hits the road. Lastly, uh, Gareth, I think, you know, we are going to mature. 27 years into democracy, of course, will come uh, on our own. I mean, Germany has always been a coalition a country. The Most of Europe You'll be lucky if you get one party that gets 30%, but they're able to gobble together um, a ruling government. Mm -hmm. There's mutual respect, and the citizens are still able to get what they want. For me, the final lesson for me is, but you see our compatriots in the rest of the continent warned us and taught us 
um, that there are three things that Africans in the continent have learned. One, these Uhuru presidents of 40, 50 years are not good for Africans. Jomo Kenyatta, uh, Daniel Arab Moi. Number two, they also taught us that even the good guys left on their own eventually become the bad guys. Lastly, that you need a viable, good opposition to keep the good guys in check. For me, I thought because our leaders spent 27 years in Robben Island, therefore they are incorrigible, meaning they are uncorruptible. How wrong we have been. Now we know that when you take somebody who's never been trained as a pilot, you put them in the cockpit of a Boeing 747-400 at OR Tambo and say, fly the 10 and a half hours to London Heathrow with no training whatsoever, is the surest way of making sure that the 388 passengers, 38 crew are destined for certain death. And, but that's what we've been doing with all our uh, institutions, with education, with healthcare. Cadre deployment has failed us in a gigantic and momentous way. And until and unless the ANC stops cadre deployment, they are on their way to their own extinction. Lastly, I think state capture has robbed um, our children's future. It has stolen uh, from the sick, the infirm, and the dying. Can you imagine what we'd have done with 431 million rand of the Houghton Education Department in just eliminating Pete Latrine toilets? Mm -hmm. Michael Komape must be turning in his grave at five years old to be robbed of their future. And these are the people who call themselves our leaders. Mm. But, you know... <clears throat> Pums, you're yeah, on, you're on mute, Pumi. Uh, sorry, I just want to, uh, Pumlani, Pumi wanted to just throw something in there. Sorry, Pumlani. Sorry, guys. I think the most exciting thing that's come out of these past two weeks, all the coalition conversations and seeing who how the chips fall, are two things. One, we now have Metsimaholo, where the EFF, you know, some 120,000 South Africans have got an EFF government. They've got an EFF mayor. They've got an EFF speaker. No, this is a good thing. Oh. It's a good thing because yeah. it gives them an opportunity in, in you know, it's in, in a small municipality, albeit small municipality, to kind of show South Africans what it is that they can do. And, and I think that's a great thing because for a very long time, the EFF, and we're going to see a lot of like the EFF's negative control in Johannesburg, in Swane, in, you know, in Ekuruleni, we're going to see the EFF's negative control. But in Metzimaholo, they're going to be the government of the day. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they do in that arena. And then the second thing that I think um, we're not paying enough attention to is what has happened in the councils where there has been a need to change over power, right? So we saw Eteguini on Monday descend into chaos. We saw Mklatuzi descend into chaos. We see an ANC government, the councillors, and the people who supposedly voted, so people who are not even in the council chamber, creating chaos mm. and that is something that we need to pay attention to and something that we need to watch because in truth the anc is in decline and 2024 will come around and the anc may have to transition out of being the dominant party is the anc able to do that i think that's one of the things well, that we need to be looking look at, at this look at this picture of these uh, dejected anc councillors leaving with, uh, with their masks on and their bags, and that, that's them going. They're out of office. This was in uh, Ekuruleni. Uh, no, it's, yeah, Ekuruleni. Um, Zwandile Masina and company, who are on their way out. <laughs> they're no longer the government there, and you can see they're not happy about it. So, Pumlani, sorry, I interrupted you. What did you want to no. say? No, they are not happy about it. You can see that on the, <laughs> on the picture. <laughs> anyway, so you see the, the fundamental the fundamental question now um, that I am asking myself, and I'm sure other people are asking themselves out there, is what will the NC do now um, to try and regain support between now and 2024? That's a that's a big question. Um, how are they going to strategize? Um, part of the some people ask, are they go are we going to see more kind of government spending? In other words, dishing out more money for the purpose of attracting votes? Are we going to see 
our fiscal situa- situation getting worse because of increased spending in an attempt by the ANC to, 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 to regain the votes. What are the strategies that the party will put in place? Because I think it's very difficult for it to come back um, at this point because you can see it. Remember, the ANC has been on the long-term decline. Mm-hmm. Um, as uh, Mr. Mr. Mohalo was saying earlier, um, the NC uh, last reached its peak, I think, when the it was years of Tawampe. Mm. I think it was 2004 20, 20, or so, way back, right? So it's been on the long-term decline, the NC, the support. So the fundamental question is, how are they going to regain their support? What will be the, the strategy? Um, and my, my view is that my prediction is that you will see an NC that really tries to to try by all, all means to make uh, promises and to, in some way, to 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 you know to dish out money um, in in forms of government spending in an attempt to to appeal to the people to say we are here to help you you know so we are serious about service delivery so that that can be that can be quite damaging uh, in our fiscal um, situation. Well, um, I, I well, like, which is a good. Sorry, Garrett. No, no. So I, I think, Pomlani, you raise an, an interesting thing around the strategy of how the ANC will try to regain power. And I think maybe that's a good segue to you, Ndate Bonang, because your book is a lot about uh, leadership and the lack thereof that we've seen in the country. Mm. Do you think that the ANC has people inside that can be that leader? Or do you think they're going to need to import leaders from other places, perhaps private sector, to become the renewal agent within the party? Sis Pumi, you know, it was General George Patton who reminds us that great wars are won by good execution, not great plans, because good execution will save even a mediocre plan. What the ANC has been lacking, they've got excellent plans, excellent documents, excellent people, but they've just been paralyzed to act. So this local government elections, they've actually written their own epitaph. And if you read on that tombstone, it now says, this is a waning, corrupt, morally bankrupt, self-serving, self-indulgent, self-absorbed, rent-seeking, mostly rural, indecisive party, now best known for dithering on key socio-economic issues with a tempestuous approach to policy. It has now become synonymous with not only state capture, lack of service delivery, and leading by commissions. Now it will be known as leading through coalitions, which is not what was gifted by our forebears since Pumin Kosia. <laughs> so does that mean, so you, you talk of an epitaph, so you think that there's no hope for them. There is no way that they could find a leader who will rally those good policies into actions. The evidence is clear. So for 14 years, we built Midupi and Kusile <laughs> as the biggest coal-fired power stations <laughs> in the world. Yeah. I exclude Ingula, which is hydroelectric in KwaZulu-Natal, each meant to provide 9.6 gigawatts of electricity. The ANC then decides to partner with Hitachi on the provision of boilers. The cost moved from 30 billion to 54 billion, and they keep quiet because they eat more. <laughs> Here is a party that saw rolling blackouts in January of 2008. 13 years later, they haven't been able to fix ESCOM. And all of us have been obsessed with ESCOM instead of saying, how do we get reliable electricity generation? Because electricity is the fourth means of production. Here's a party that went to war by saying, we're not happy that our black people, 90% of the population is squeezed into 13% of the land, Mm -hmm. and the Constitution gives them all the power to do that. Section 25, Article 3a says, when conditions of fair and equitable have been sufficiently fulfilled, then compensation can be down to zero. 
Now for nine months, they debate whether they can have land expropriation without compensation. Zero is without compensation. But because they didn't put systems and processes, they didn't put together the requisite legislation, but also because their obsession was our tend to eat too, not their people. Yeah. 27 years into democracy, a majority of black people still don't have land. And yet you and I know, to me, that there is no possession like land. Therefore, so what does it tell us? It tells us that these guys are incapable of action. They're incapable of reading the writing on the wall that we are about to die. Let's jump out of this boiling water. They continue to do exactly the same. And for me, our young people will look back and say, how did we get to accept that 30% is a pass mark for grade 12? How did we implement outcome-based education when this is best suited for developed world like canada the usa etc how did we steal the infrastructure that we inherited from the apartheid government when not only did we steal the cables overhead not only the rails below but we stole the station one brick at a time i live in Bryanston, <laughs> not too far from where i am there's a station there used to be a station called rodiport you go there now the station is unveiled <laughs> and there so you started you started with the with the a quote uh, by gorbachev and i'm going to use another russian's quote so what is to be done it was learning. So I think first and foremost, um, you know what drives share prices, rumor and speculation? We need to send a message that South Africa is open for business. So the people that stole our 1.5 trillion in five years on the guise of state capture mm. must be sent to jail. Mm. Number two, we must roll out vaccines as a matter of life and death. Even a simple thing like that to save 40 million South Africans from the pandemic, we are failing this money. Number three, we need to reduce our government debt because it's becoming unsustainable, approaching 110% debt to GDP ratio. Number four, we must implement the socioeconomic reforms that we've been talking about. Number five, we have to sort out the more than 740 state-owned enterprises sure. and state-owned companies. Yeah. If I give you an example, had we put in black people and women into these SOEs and we allowed each one of them just to serve a five-year term with no political interference, even at the SABC, 27 years later, with 20% of them having failed, we'd be looking at 3,000 black women and men with a demonstrable track record that when Kenya Airways and Ethiopian Airways is looking for the CEO, they'll be looking south at this 84-year-old award-winning South African Airways. But we killed even that. So of all the SOEs, you mm. can count on one hand the ones that are still viable, on one hand those that, st that are still profitable. And all of it, we can't blame uh, the might of apartheid 48 years or the 98 years of separate development. What we can't even blame the 350 years of colonialism. If we cut our own nose to spite our own face, says Pumi. So, uh, Pumlani, I see you nodding at some of that stuff and then raising your eyebrows to some of it too, but I think there's large agreement. I mean, you know, what Bonang's saying is, is the truth. This is what's going on. We can all observe it. And in your book, you do go into, and there are lots of other uh, brilliant people. It's worth saying at this point, Bonang, there are lots of really, really interesting articles by friends of yours, colleagues of yours in business, Mteto Nyati, uh, Andile Numnala. We've got Adrian Gore, Nikola Klein. There are lots of really, really interesting observations in this book too. But Pumlani, your, your broad takes on what Bonang is saying now, do you think that those are the, the chief areas to address? Do you agree with him? Oh, yes. I mean, in principle, that they are. Um, now, when it comes to addressing corruption, um, I've been quite disappointed with what's been going on at the, at the, at, at the MPA. Um, I, I'm dissatisfied uh, that we haven't, with, we know what, what went down with the state capture. Right? Yet to this day, we're not seeing people being, being put in, in orange overalls, right? right. We're not seeing any serious executions taking place. 
And that has been the dissatisfaction amongst many people as well, that we are not seeing people being held accountable. You know, the high-profile prosecutions, the people who are involved in the state capture. We are not seeing that. So in that aspect, there is a disappointment. Um, now, um, Mr. Mohalo has mentioned SOEs, state-owned enterprises. My view is that really what governments need to do with respect to that is really to really to pull back, to try and privatize as much as possible. There's no need for government to run businesses. Um, uh, Mr. Mohalo mentioned... Um, uh, the fact that, which is a good point, even the minister, the new minister of finance has said this, that the big error we have made over the past decade or so was to try and fix ESCOM yeah. instead of opening up the energy sector, um, making sure that it is, uh, you know, it is reformed, uh, that we are bringing, bring in more uh, independent power producers. That should have been the focus. That should be the focus going forward. We don't want to spend billions of loan guarantees um, or, you know, I think right now, last time I checked, ESCOM's debt was about, I don't know, was it about 400 billion vans or something like that? But that's where the figures are, which is very shocking, um, the amount of money we spend then. So for me, I think we need to bring in the private sector, right? Mm. Uh, privatization is very much important. Sometimes it can be partial privatization. Sometimes, you know, fully so. That's the kind of reform we need. Uh, I, I, and when it comes to structural reforms, you also need to tackle the labor markets, right? Mm. And when you look at our labor market, it's not that flexible in the country. That needs to be reformed. Now, it becomes a controversial issue for the ANC because if you touch that area, that's when we are going to confront the labor unions. Mm-hmm. Um, and the labor unions are very much in support of the ANC. We do know how they operate, especially Kosatu. So I, I largely agree with what, um, you know, Bonang is saying. There has to be, we have to see fundamental reforms and they have to be speedy. Uh, we need to see them as speedily as possible because it's the only way we can try and reduce the, the, the now more than 42, about 42% unemployment rate, which I believe is underestimated in my view. It should be way more than that. Pumlane, you speak about private sector coming to end, and again, this is an article that was in the Daily Maverick in Tate Bodang that you wrote, that was private sector saying, call us, Mr. President, and I, I see you've got it in the book as well. That is one of the things that you're saying, private sector can play a role in changing the way that our economy is not performing. Do you want to share that with our listeners? Since Pumi, you're absolutely correct. You see, the private sector can spell this thing called project management. How to deliver mega projects on time, on budget, and in full. Government does the opposite. Everything that this government has ever planned to do from the multi-product pipeline, budgeted at 7 billion, delivered at 27 billion, it took four times the time it was put aside. Even when we were rolling out the vaccines, we worked with government and said, we see you are technically bankrupt. We need to be in the COVID program. We also need to be in the African Union program so that we can prevent our people from dying. We said as business, we will pay the first tranche of the required 250 million rand, I'm rounding off the figures, to get us onto the COVID program. Government said, pay that first tranche, we'll pay the second tranche by the 15th of December. We paid, we paid our first tranche. 15th of December came, government had no money to pay their part of it. <laughs> 28th of December, business through the Solidarity Fund had to pay the second tranche. But you see where the, tra- the, the tragedy is, is booming. Then business says, we must roll this out quickly because remember the president set us a head immunity target of 67%. The 60.1 million South Africans. That's 40 million South Africans. In January, had we done that, it meant that we were going to inoculate the 40 million people in 400 days or 13.3 months, which means we were planning, agitating and orchestrating to finish only in the middle of 2022. Dr. Zuelin Mkiza then compliments that by saying, no, 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 we must also vaccinate 1.2 million frontline workers by the end of March. But when we come with practical solutions, we say the mining sector worked through 
lockdown alert level five, and these people came from Botswana, Lesotho, Namibia, and Eswatini, mm -hmm. and we were able to work without massive outbreak of infections. If you gave Roger Baxter of the Minerals Council 400,000 vaccines, he can do that in 90 days. If you gave Adrian Gore at Discovery 2 million vaccines, he can do that in 30 days. If you gave Nompumelelo Tembekile Madisa of the Bitvest Group Limited, she can vaccinate 135,000 employees within a month. The same with uh, the Imperial Group. But no, because they were looking at local government elections, they didn't have many things to say. This is what we have delivered. Right. What did they do? Yeah. They decided, no, no, we're going to hold it ourselves. We'll exclude hold. the private sector. We want to take all the credit and the glory. And again, a beautiful program to save lives to preserve livelihoods, to ensure that we are vaccinated is a monumental failure. And now we are staring the fourth wave in the face where we are only talking about probably 25 million people that are going to be vaccinated. Remember, as I insisted, we set ourselves a target called the NDP 2030. We had 30 years just to deliver nine things. We are now left with eight years. I can tell you now, there is no snowball hell in Chance in hell <laughs> that we are going to deliver that. ADS, where is the leadership? All right, can, can I school? can I just throw this in because I know this is something Pumlani will largely agree with. Um, it's it's something I also feel there's there's an ideological problem inside the ANC. It's not just corruption. They also are just thinking about things. And Pums, you and I, have, uh, we've discussed this a million times. Is that there are no new ideas on the left? You know, they're going back to old ideas from like. Uh, Soviet Russia and you know they're still playing and toying with these ideas of like we can we can create some sort of socialist utopia which is a worldwide problem sure it's, it's not just it's, with, it's, it, I mean for us it 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 manifests in the ANC and and kind of bites us in the ass but mm -hmm. the whole world yeah, worldwide I mean, it's the happening in the got no new ideas it's happening in the Democratic Party in the United States too and Pumlani I wonder what your thoughts are on that the, the this toying with these old failed ideologies when are we going to learn or when are they going to learn and stop it and move forward and create opportunities for South Africans, particularly young South Africans, who are sick of hearing about ideology, who want practical solutions. Well, I doubt you will see that change in the NC. Um, I think they can only reform. I have said that the NC will only reform when it gets out of power. Out of power. Just right? by the way, um, the, the Muzi, Muzi Kuzwayo was on with us the other day, and he said the only way we're going to get past this is when those old people die. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's his... there's no reforming the ANC, guys. There is no reforming the ANC. There is no way at 104 years old you can find a new way of being. But we interrupted you, you please. Have to die. Yeah, you're saying? But you see, well, I don't, know, I don't want them to die, Gareth, but, um, um, you know, I, I think they will only change and, and reform their, you know, themselves uh, when they get out of power. You see, the moment they're on the bench watching as an opposition, yeah. that's when we'll see them in the ANC. At this point, I doubt the ANC will reform. And your question is quite good because um, at this point in time, what we are seeing them, uh, you know, losing power, getting mm. weak, and the state of the economy being terrible, um, as we have just outlined, and Mr. Mohan was outlining earlier. The, the, the question now is to, do you, do you really expect them to give away their very much pro-big government socialist ideas um, that really, um, that are characterized by more state control? I doubt you are going to see that. Rather, what they will do instead to try and appeal to the people, to try and regain that kind of support, they will continue on these ideas that aren't really going to be helpful over the long term or, you know, along the way. So my view is that it's going to be, it's difficult. I doubt they will change their ideology, Gareth. This thing will, they, they won't reform. They will only reform when they get out of power, um, not when they are still in power. If I can turn to your book again, uh, Bonang, this is, the, there are two chapters here that I absolutely loved because in all of this corruption and decay and decline and the state capture and all the rest of it, we often lose the stories of success and we need to remind ourselves of those. And one of your chapters is about celebrating success. And you mentioned by name people who've really managed things extremely well in this country. And there are people who unfortunately get brushed under the carpet or 
you know, there, there could be many reasons for this, but they get ignored and their stories are subject to the big story of corruption. And I mean, you, you mentioned Sizam Zimela, who ran Transnet very well. She was also in, um, uh, what is it? Uh, SA, what is it? SA. SA, uh, what's the other one? Not Airlink, because that's Bangle. not SA. Sex. That's it. That's it. SA Express. Um, and, you know, you mentioned some people who are no longer with us, but uh, another person is Numpumolelo uh, Madisa, who you mentioned just now at Bidvest. These are people who've done a really good job. And unfortunately for them, their stories don't get the kind of headlines that the corrupt politicians get. Um, you mentioned, I'm so pleased, Peter Matlare, who uh, died just last this year, in fact, in March of this year uh, of COVID. And Peter Matlare was a real success story. Um, Kimi Makwetu, the former... Um, Auditor General of South Africa, who really did an incredible job in the face of reporting news, essentially, that was very inconvenient for the, the ruling party. And you, you mentioned Jabu Mabuza and many others. I think that these people, they will be written into the history of the country in a very positive light. But right now, uh, some of them alive and some of them no longer with us. We need to take stock of where these excellent people are and give them more responsibility. They're waiting for it. They're asking for it. They can be given more responsibility and take it away from cater deployment. But you see, Gareth, it's not going to happen because you have to understand the mechanism of state capture. State capture has four legs. The first is to create a shadow government where decisions are no longer made by cabinet. Mm. Number two, it's about repurposing the state-owned enterprises and state-owned companies. Number three, this is where it really hits the road. It's about getting rid of the good guys who knows what is happening, who've got a demonstrable track record and replace them with the bad guys <laughs> whose only claim to fame is aiding and abetting state capture. Lastly, yeah. it's about going to national treasury because you are not satisfied with stealing 200 billion a year every year just to the two Zupta families. Now you want to go to the fire hose <laughs> and drink from the fire hose by capturing <laughs> national treasury. You know what is really painful, my dear brother, is that the ANC has put in a system of cadre deployment that says we can't pay our people at Lutuli House and in most provinces. Therefore, if we put in a Brian Mulefe, a Transnet, and a Notch Singh, mm -hmm. maybe, just maybe, 5% of their total cost to company will come to the ANC. That's how we raised funds. You see, if the ANC was giving us their best cadres, we'll leave them alone. Mm -hmm. But they are giving us absolutely the worst. Mm -hmm. How do you explain us getting the weekend special at Des Van Royen having fired in Tantanene? How do you explain that? And 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 really, we, we're not short of talent. So what I mean, what you're saying here uh, is this: President is... Mandela's cabinet had 400 MPs. Each one of them could have gone on to become a president in their own right or his own right. I mean, Maria Ramos, when she was DG of National Treasury, she was in her 30s. The youngest uh, deputy minister was Geraldine Fraser Muleketi, mm -hmm. early 30s. So young people have demonstrated to us that they can do this. What keeps me awake at night, it's 74.9% youth unemployment, 44.4% national unemployment. When young people of military age are sitting and twindling their thumbs with nothing to do, this is not just a ticking time bomb. This is not the tinderbox. We are not asking for trouble. We are actively inviting it. Sorry, Gareth. Mm, no, you're that, right. That, uh, that, 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 sorry. That, so, and I'm, I'm like very cognitive of the fact that we have very little time. We, the ticking time bomb that's our time here is also like <laughs> driving me crazy. <laughs> but one of the things near towards the end of your book, which is uh, resonates with me a lot, is, is not just that good leadership is one half of the equation. The other half of the equation is good followers. And it is actually good followers who create good leaders. And that says to me, what is it that we as South Africans should be doing more of to demand better leadership, to be demanding a better caliber of leader, not just in our municipalities or in our government, but in our everyday life, in our civic society, in our workplaces, because corruption is we see it and it impacts all of us in government, but it, it is a relationship between two people. There are people who are corrupting 
<laughs> these government officials and they stand to win tenders they stand, and they are in private sector so how do we do that how do we become good followers that can push for better leadership good followers know when to lead and when to be led because followers themselves are leaders number two it's about demanding ethical leadership from those who call themselves our leaders, unashamedly, unequivocally. Number two, it's about ensuring this notion of absolute transparency. It's our money. They need to tell us how they're spending our money. Lastly, there must be this notion of final accountability. When somebody has taken something that doesn't belong to them, there must be consequences. Look at the people who agitated and orchestrated and planned the biggest arson in 27 years at the two weeks in July of mm -hmm. looting. Not one of the ringleaders, all 12 of them, the dirty dozen, are known. But the ANC is spineless to go after yeah. them and arrest them. The evidence is all over what's up. And look at the damage we have caused yeah. to ourselves. And some of it will never be able to even replace. So by the 19th of July, 354 people had actually been killed. 150,000 jobs have been put at risk. 5,000 informal traders, totally decimated. 148 schools, one of them within one hour of this riot breaking up in KwaZulu-Natal was banned. 40,000 businesses were affected. 200 shopping malls were looted and damaged. And you and I know, Sispumi, that 90% of the tenants in a mall are small and medium enterprises. Therefore, 3,000 stores were destroyed. 300 banks hmm. and post office outlets were vandalized. 1,400 ATMs and we stole 120 million rand. And the police know who the culprits are. They are not even going after them. 161 liquor outlets, not one exclusive books was damaged by the <laughs> 113 that tells communication you a story, yeah? infrastructure that was significantly damaged. 11 warehouses, 8 factories. I mean, the list goes on. Not even the South African blood bank was spared the mayhem. You know, I do have a friend who, who owns a bookstore and her bookstore was vandalized. Her mother's bookstore was vandalized and everything was stolen except for the, the Chitsonga and Venda Bibles. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yo. Um, uh, guys, we've got we've got, you know, we've mean, got we've got time for just a few comments. I'm going to let Pumlani uh, have have his final word and then uh, Bonang. So Pumlani, uh, just to wrap this up. I mean, we've said we've said a lot this morning. What are your conclusions moving forward? And also, you know, we're going into the end of the year. People are tired now. They're tired of the politics, they're tired of the promises, they're tired of the election nonsense. I think people just want an escape from all of this stuff. Or am I wrong? <laughs> well, I mean, just a quick, before I get to that, just a quick comment on these good people that uh, Bonang speaks about in, in, in his book. Um, you know, I think it's too late now to say these people could make a huge impact in an NC-run uh, national government because we have seen some capable people even at this point, people like even the new finance minister, Ino Kotongwana, Kitombaweni, who I believe was sensible as finance minister, but he wasn't effective. And the reason why he wasn't effective is because no matter his views may be yeah. in terms of how we should run the economy, they still, the, the, you know, the, the Lutuli House, the NC, the fractional NC, the cabinet that is, that is divided for him to put anything through. So mm -hmm. because of the structure of how messy and how bad situation is in the NC, I doubt those people would be affected to, to this day. So it's too late. And um, going forward, Garrett, I think for us, it's a matter of as citizens to remain engaged on the issues, to inform ourselves. Um, uh, you know, Pumi spoke about, uh, you know, followers and, and, and the fact and, and leaders. Um, and as followers, we need to understand what our leaders are doing and hold them accountable. I think this is the way going, uh, this is the only way going forward. Between now and 2024 will be very critical. So we need to keep up with the affairs and be able to, to try and shape our country in an, in an, in an, in an outcome that will be, you know, that will be positive. 
after after 2024. Um, Pumlani, I owe you a lunch. You must please uh, reply to my invitation. I sent it to you on email the other day. So that's that's something to end. I told yeah, exactly. He's just ignoring me. What about Ntatebonang and I? No, no, no. I'm going to invite you guys, but this is something I sent him weeks ago and he hasn't replied to me. So Ntatebonang, let's just finish off with you. What are your what are your closing remarks on this as we head to the end of the year? And what's been a really up and down, momentous year, not only for South Africa, but for the whole world. Um, what, what are your feelings now? It's hard to find in many of us optimism and excitement, uh, even though there are green shoots starting to appear in certain places. So I'm emboldened by the words of the Nobel Prize laureate, Professor Akan Window, when he said, only in Africa will thieves Mm. be regrouping to loot again. And the youths whose future is being stolen will be celebrating it. So as we end the year, let's be cognizant that all of this is self-inflicted harm, own goals where now we hold the world record for all the wrong reasons. Inequality is widening. Racism is at an all-time high. Public education has collapsed. Black youths are roaming the streets hopelessly. Public hospitals continue to fail the poor and the vulnerable. And crucial infrastructure is laying barren and unmaintained mm-hmm. and lawlessness has now become an epidemic. Thank you for having me. Sure. Well, that's that's not the optimistic stuff that I was hoping for, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> and I, n- none of us are going to disagree with you. Pumi? Okay. So two things to say goodbye. First, I hope you had a good birthday on Monday. Happy birthday. <laughs> And you enjoy the rest of because you, so you, you're still you're still significantly younger than uh, the average age of our cabinet. <laughs> I, I ten sixty. At, I think she, I yeah, know I was you 60. ten sixty. I, think, you know, I couldn't wait you, to be sixty because it delayed my vaccination because <laughs> I had to wait eighteen months. So I'm all of sixty years old, and for the last three years I couldn't wait to turn this thing. Now there are some people like Ubabu Pumlan who must say. Brabona, you know, I've been waiting for that. Brabona. <laughs> so, but I think, I think Pumi's building up to something here. Yeah, so this is, this is, and this is my last thing. So, Databanang, now that you are 60 and you are an elder, and you, we know you to be this um, doyen of, of good ethical leadership, are you going to be the turtle that sticks its neck out and, and says, you're putting up your hand for leadership in President of South next, Africa. Or, or any of those positions. Are you going to? Yes, put your I'm name? going to put my hand up to be president of Business Unity South Africa. I'm a businessman. Thank you. <laughs> All right, and that you have been, you've been executing that duty uh, admirably for the longest time. Uh, Pumlani, faithfully, faithfully. Pumlani, Bonani, thank you. Pumi, thank you all very much. This has been the Burning Platform and another, I think, really interesting discussion. Lots and lots of, of, of truths being spoken here, some of them which are known to all of us, some of them which are, are, are less well uh, known to us, and all of it very, very useful information going forward. Let's make 2022 uh, a good year for this country, and let's start to build instead of break because that's what we need more than anything else. And I think everybody on this panel has agreed on that very important uh, front. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Good to see you all. And we will see you on the burning platform next week, same time, same place with Pumi and I. And to our guests, thank you very much. And most especially to you for being a part of this this morning. Thank you. Thank you.